There you go. So this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 33. So we are walking through the book of Acts, and we just arrived to a big chunk of a story. It's a story where the disciples are arrested again and tried again. And so it's basically most of chapter 5, and I'm basically sectioning in, sectioning each part and taking it by little chunks. So today we're going to be in chapter 5, verse 27 through 33. Last week, we started in verse 12 up to 26. And if you were here, you remember that we talked about how they were arrested because they were healing people and they were helping the people uh, of Jerusalem. So the high priest became jealous and arrested them for doing good and mostly for preaching in the name of Jesus. So they were put into prison. Last week, we talked about how an angel appeared, delivered them, told them to go back to the temple and continue to preach, and they did. So we pick up the story right after they are brought back to the council or the Sanhedrin. And this is where our story begins today in, in verse 27. So we're going to um, uh, start with that. Acts chapter 5 verse 27 says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, hanging hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Verse 33 says, When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. So, as a reminder again, the disciples disobeyed for the second time. They were told not to preach in the name of Jesus, and they were found doing the exact same thing. They were arrested. They were put in jail. And last week, we talked about how the angel appeared. And the title of my sermon last week was, We Have Supernatural Help. And I am going to continue to encourage us, which I believe is the main topic of this whole chapter, uh, encourage us to continue to preach the Word of God. But I want to make a few uh, more detailed uh, points or, or highlight two more detailed points about this. Number one is what is it that Peter and the apostles were preaching? Why was this message so outraging to these people? And my first point is that it's because they were preaching the gospel. The gospel is the only Christian message. They did not get in trouble for any other reason than the specific message they were preaching. And if you remember what we just read, that's exactly what the high priest tells them. We told you not to preach in this name. And he also said, and now you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And now you're bringing this man's blood upon us. 
I want to highlight and make sure that we understand that the reason why the apostles were persecuted, it's not because they were good or they were just doing healings or they were helping the people. It's precisely because of the message and the content of the message they had, which was Jesus. They were being persecuted because of the name of Jesus, because everything they were teaching and preaching and talking about, even when they were healing people and helping people, was all focused on a person named Jesus. His blood, meaning his death, his life, what he was doing, and the fact that he was brought back from the death. So this message was the gospel. That's what we call the gospel. And if you go online... And if you've been in church for a while, you will realize that there's probably thousands of definitions of what the gospel is. If you, there's not one definition. I, I think it is intentional. The Bible never defines the word gospels explicitly. But let me give you a story and then a, a definition that I like for us to understand what the gospel is. And this is something that we constantly need, need to remember. Because it is precisely the essence of our message and our faith. The gospel is uh, this story. So there was a, a city. Imagine you're in a city that was attacked by this cruel king and his army. And they basically take over the city and they enslave the city. So the people of this city... Uh, lived in fear. They were all weak. They had no way to defend themselves and they surrendered and they lived under the oppression and abuse of this cruel king and his army. But one day a warrior sent by the good king who was actually the owner of the city came and fought this cruel king and his entire army and the warrior defeats them all in an epic battle. The warrior, once he finishes uh, defeating this army, then sends messengers throughout the city with good news of this victory. And he tells the people through the messengers, you're free now. You don't have to be, live under the regime uh, or the cruel, cruelty of this king. You are free. Now you belong back to your good king. So the town celebrates. Their lives are changed because they no longer live under uh, the oppression of this cruel king. And that is an example of what the gospel is. The gospel is the fact that Jesus came and delivered us. The gospel is about the warrior. The gospel is about how the warrior defeats this cruel king and frees us. It's about us humans being oppressed by Satan and his army of sin and death. We are unable to do anything about it. We cannot defend ourselves. We live surrendered. We lived abused and oppressed by this cruel king named Satan. And we, we can't do anything about it. So the gospel is the fact that somebody tells us, hey, there's this warrior who came and won it for you. All you have to do is what? Believe it. Christianity, the gospel, is not about, hey, there's this bad uh, king that's oppressing us. Let's plan how to defeat him and plot how to 
get better at war and how to use your gifts to defeat this other king. It's not that. Christianity is not about steps to becoming a better warrior or finding ways to uh, take over the city. That's not Christianity. Christianity is just accepting the fact that the warrior came and defeated the king for us. So Christianity is basically listening to that messenger that brings good news and saying, okay, I believe that, and stepping out and living in that freedom and thanking that warrior every single day of your life. So the definition that I love about, uh, or that I like about, uh, or of the gospel, is by uh, this uh, Australian Anglican preacher named Graeme, Graeme, I don't know how to pronounce that, Goldsworthy. And he says, the gospel is a word about Jesus Christ and when he, what he did for us in order to restore us at the right relationship to a right relationship with God. That's the gospel. The gospel is just good news. The gospel does the work for you. The gospel is not about you fighting the, the cruel king. It's about somebody else who fought and defeated the cruel king on your behalf. That's the gospel. This is the message that Peter and his friends, the apostles, were constantly preaching. So I want to highlight a few things that as we talk about evangelism and sharing our faith, we need to understand what is it that we bring to other people. What's the difference between what we believe and a TED talk or self-help? or a conference on how to become successful, or any other religion. The difference is that our message is about one person and what he did. It's good news about the warrior. It's about Jesus and his life. And this is what the high priest hated. If you notice at the beginning, the high priest avoids saying the name of Jesus. The high priest questions them, and he says, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Let me just remind you, this high priest knew exactly who Jesus was. He was there when he was being crucified. He was there when he was tried. He knew all about it, but it was, it was a name that just he could not stomach. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. I like the fact that Peter and the apostles immediately get up, and they say, we must obey God before men, or rather than men. And then he says, the God of our fathers, and what Peter is saying to the, to the high priest is, your God and my God raised Jesus. He immediately goes to that name and he corrects the high priest. He says, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. The message that we have is about Jesus and we always need to bring it back to Jesus. Our message is not steps to be better. Our message is not a promise that God was going to restore your life and that if you become a Christian, come to my church and your problems are going to disappear. That is the biggest lie. Don't ever evangelize anyone like that, please. 
Christianity is not self-help. It's not about your self-esteem. It's not for you to be successful or to be prosperous. Christianity is about Jesus. Christianity is about what he did for us as humans. Christianity is about Jesus. It's about his death. Every time we preach the gospel to somebody, we have to talk about Jesus and we have to talk about his death. We have to talk about a man that was crucified. Our message is a bloody message. Our message is a message that's sometimes a little disgusting. There's beatings. There's like somebody spitting on each other. There was a guy who was hung on a cross naked, humiliated for us. That's part of our message. It's the message of the death of Jesus. Peter and the apostles tell the high priest, you killed him. You hung him in a tree. You did that. But it doesn't stop there. The message of Christianity is also about how, how that guy was killed. This Jesus. And he came back from the dead. Our God The God of our fathers raised him from the dead, Jesus. He was brought up. And Peter makes sure he knows, the high priest knows, we are witnesses of these things. You're not going to just tell us that they didn't happen. We saw it. I touched them. I spent 40 days with them. We are witnesses of these things. Our message, the message that we share with others is the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus, about his death, about his resurrection. And it's also about repentance and forgiveness of sin. Paul is calling the high priest and everyone sitting in the Sanhedrin to repentance. He's saying, you killed him. And then he, he moves on to say something that they did not like. He says that God exalted him at his right hand as a leader and savior to give repentance to Israel. He is including everyone in this Sanhedrin, repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. He's indirectly telling them, you need to repent for what you did. And I have to tell all of us, every time we share our faith and we explain the gospel to somebody, we have to talk about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the fact that we need to repent. Repenting means turning back from your, you owning your life, you making your own decisions, and now turning that to Jesus. I repent from making my own decisions, ruining my life, doing what I think is best for my life, and now I turn that ownership to Jesus. It's an entire, it's a 180 degree turn. Somebody said a 360 degree, and I was like, that's funny. Um, um, It's a 180 degree turn. It's stop living for yourself, now live for Jesus. That's repentance. And repentance requires asking for forgiveness. It requires that you apologize, if you want to call it that way. Repent from doing that. And now you turn to God, and that brings forgiveness of sins that's what jesus now as lord and savior provides not only for israel for everybody repentance and forgiveness of sin and this is a part of our message that not everyone likes i spent most of my christian life with a gospel that did not require people to repent 
It was a gospel that was really good at inviting people. It was about strategies on how to get people to come. It was about how can I make Christianity cool to people so that they don't think I'm weird and they don't re reject my message. But the reality when I studied the Bible is that there's no way around it. Our message is weird. Our message is going to be rejected. People will not like our message. It's part of the message. Nobody wants to be told you're a sinner and you need to repent. Nobody likes that. But there is no gospel, there is no Christianity, there is no Jesus without a call to repentance. It's, it's simply not Christianity. You can call it anything else you want, but it's not biblical Christianity. René Padilla says that the proclamation of the gospel is inseparable of the calling to repentance and faith. Since God, since God is already at work, we must invite men to leave their sin behind and turn to him. Without repentance and faith, there is no participation in the blessings of the age to come. I want to make sure we understand that without a call to repentance, we are never going to see people saved. We can, we can see people come to church. We can see people uh, like the idea of Christianity, but without calling people to repentance, there is no salvation. Our responsibility is not to convince people to come to Jesus using any other messages. There's only one message that we have, and it's the gospel about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and calling people to repent and believe. We must share our faith with others. We must share the gospel. I want to make sure we understand that we're not trying to convince people to come to church. We're not trying to convince people that, that God will fix their lives. We're not promising people that they will never have problems. No. All we're doing is sharing the good news that the warrior came and defeated the enemy. And that we can now live freely. Last week, we talked about how we have supernatural help. We talked about how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the A-team, the best help we can get, that's the help we have if we share the gospel or in sharing the gospel. We not only have that, now we have angels that come and help us as well. And the message itself is powerful. So everything that we need is already there. But there's a condition. The condition for all this help to come is that we need to have the right message. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the angels, and the gospel itself will not work unless it's actually the gospel. You will not have help to tell people that if you come to church, God is going to make you rich. God is not going to help you to that. Guess what? I know someone who will help you to that. And it's not Jesus or the Holy Spirit or it's Satan. In fact, I heard that Satan is not very interested in you stopping from coming to church. He just wants to make sure that you don't hear the right message. Satan is perfectly happy for you to go to church. If you do not repent, absolutely go to church every Sunday. Satan could actually be interested in you leading a moral good life. You want to be good? Be good. You want to be rich? Be rich. 
Satan is only opposed to the message of the cross because that's the message that defeated him. We are a church that is only convinced that the gospel is all we have. We're not going to promise you here that your, your marriage is going to be better. Your, your job is going to all go well. We're not going to promise you anything. We're going to promise you that if you put your faith in Jesus, you will be saved. That is our promise to you. And it's not even our promise. It's the promise that the Bible does or, or gives you. But if we're using any other strategy or we're actually talking about any other message or any other gospel, we're not going to have the help that we need. In fact, this is explicit in the gospel, in the Bible, I'm sorry, Galatians 1. Paul told uh, the people in, Gal- in the church of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sin and to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and the Father. So Paul says hi to the church, to the Galatian church, and he tells them the gospel. That Jesus gave himself for our sin. And then he rebukes them. And listen to what Paul tells the church in Galatia. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. This was 20, 30, 40 years after Jesus died. And the gospel was already being distorted. And people from a direct source... We're already twisting the gospel. He's astonished that you are quickly deserting the gospel, turning to a different gospel. Verse 7 says, Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And listen to what Paul says. But even even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if anyone, including angels, is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. This is not popular, but this is the essence of what got these people in trouble. This is the message that will continue to get us in trouble. And sometimes we don't get in trouble enough because we're not preaching the right message. I just spent a few days with uh, some Christian leaders. I had to go for for something I was doing with New City Network. And it was an interdenominational organization that works with Hispanic pastors in different parts of the U.S. And I I was amazed at how much time we can spend talking about strategy, talking about how to get people into, like, metrics, and um, ways to do more effective ministry without once mentioning the gospel. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was eye-opening. And I believe that sometimes we do the same as people. We live a- amongst our neighbors, our friends, our family members, and we talk about all kinds of other things except the gospel. And we come up with ideas of how to invite them to church. And that's all good. I'm not saying that's bad. What I'm saying is if that's all we're thinking about, we're missing the point. If all we're thinking about is how I'm going to get them to come to church so that the pastor will preach the gospel to them, we're wrong. 
If all we're thinking about is how can I invite him to lunch so that he can think I'm cool and then later I can tell him I'm Christian, then we're wrong. We're not understanding the gospel. And the reason why we don't understand or, or we sometimes we don't think of these things is because the gospel brings difficulty. The gospel is not easily acceptable. Look at verse 33. <clears throat> when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Even though the gospel is good news, the Bible makes it clear that it will always be difficult for people to hear this. Why? Because the gospel confronts the hearer. The gospel reveals who we are. The gospel talks about how we are sinners how we are enslaved to this cruel king. And we're not only enslaved to this cruel king, we like being enslaved to this cruel king. And the gospel re requires repentance, meaning you need to acknowledge that that is your responsibility, that you chose to go that way, and requires you to make a decision that's humiliating and humbling. To accept that you made a mistake. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon said famously that the same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sin. But it's only the gospel. And that is not for us to decide. We can try as much as we, we'd like to make it easy for people or to make it cool for people or to not be rejected by people, but that is not up to us. It's God who does the word. But the gospel is not popular and people don't like, we don't like to, to share the gospel because it will offend and enrage many people. I'm going to continue to say this to all of us. Our message is not well taken. Our message is not going to be easy to swallow. For many people, it doesn't make sense. For many people, it's probably the dumbest thing they've ever heard. That's what we believe. And if you are a Christian, you need to be okay with that. Not because it is in fact dumb or because it is in fact nonsensical. It's because it has to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural message that God himself places on people's hearts. God is the one who opens people's eyes. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the work. It is not our job so that we will not boast. And the gospel will always bring difficulty. And sometimes you don't know when the difficulty is going to come or how it's going to come. I, I think I told this story once, but I, uh, I went to a mission trip to Amsterdam and I was in a soup kitchen. Uh, I was with Y1 doing something called the Summer of Service, the SOS. And I was in downtown Amsterdam, really close to the red light district. And um, we were in a soup kitchen, and 
if you don't know Amsterdam, is filled with drug addicts and prostitutes. Basically, that's what the red light district is. And so we had a lot of people come in. And I remember I was just, my job was not to serve the soup, but to mingle in the tables and start talking to people and, and find ways to share the gospel. And I remember I saw this guy who was all dressed in, in black and he had a bunch of tattoos. Not that tattoos are wrong, but um, he was just, he was just uh, different from everyone, everyone else. And I was into rock back then. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk to this guy because he kind of looks like I can identify with him. So I went and sat at this table and started to talking to him in my broken English. This was when I was 19 years old. So my English was way worse than it is right now. Um, so I tried to speak. Most people in, in Amsterdam speak English. And uh, so I was trying to talk to him. And I, try, I started talking to him about the gospel. And then he got angry at me. And he said that he was a Satanist. And he said, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and, and it just became this back and forth kind of like discussion or argument. I, I just reacted really bad. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, you're on the losing side. And he was like, and he was like you don't know what you're talking about, little kid, because I was obviously younger than him. And then he, he started threatening me. And he's like, you don't know what I can do to you. And he's like, you don't know, but I can actually go visit you in your room tonight. And you better watch. And he, he started telling me all these things, right? He actually just like got up and left. And I was like, what did I do? I was, I was freaking out. And anyway, nothing happened. I'm still alive. Uh, I did lock my window that day, at night. Uh, but... Um, you never know when that's going to happen. You don't know who you're talking about. You, don't, you, you might have the best intention, but somebody can be really hostile to your message. This happens all the time. I remember Carla went to a coffee shop and tried to talk to this college student, and then he was super angry that Carla was talking to her. We went to Germany one time, and then we told somebody, oh, we're looking for a Bible in Germany, and then that person turned around and was like, you Americans and your Bible. Like, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know if the person is friendly or has been hurt. We don't know who we're talking about, but we have to be able to understand that that's going to be okay. It's, it's going to be okay. It's okay for you to be rejected because of the gospel. And because of this, we will be tempted to use other messages or avoid conflict. But let me read this to you so that we can remember what Peter told the suffering church in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called. Listen to this. For to this you have been called. You. All of us. Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example. So that you might follow in his steps. We are going to follow in the steps of Jesus. That's what's happening to this disciples. They're following in the steps of Jesus. And if you read the ending of this chapter, chapter 5 of Acts, you will see that they understood this. They are beaten after they are threatening, threatened, and they are happy. They're joy, joyful because they were counted worthy of suffering for the gospel. So what do we do? Our message is hard 
Our message talks about death and blood, and we, need, we call people to repentance. And sometimes we're tempted to avoid talking about that. What do we do? Peter gives us the answer. We must obey God rather than men. Peter gets up, chapter 20, verse 29, and he says, we must obey God rather than men. I've heard this, and I just want, I just thought about this objection I've heard, and I want to make sure we understand it. I've heard people say, well, you know, Matthew 28 doesn't really say to go preach the gospel. It, it mostly says to make disciples, and, and so there's different approaches to that, you know, like, maybe I, I, I don't need to say the gospel like you say, or like, you, you're telling me to do it. It's just making disciples. Well, let me s- disagree with you and read Acts chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. This is what Peter tells Cornelius when he goes to his, to his house. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us, who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he, he's talking about Jesus, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. We must obey God rather than men. We are commanded to preach the word of God. We are commanded to do what God has called us to do, to share the gospel with everyone. We must obey God before men. And there's two categories on men. The first men that you need to obey God before you obey this man is yourself. The first man is yourself. We must obey God before we obey ourselves. The main reason why we don't share the gospel is because we believe our feelings. We believe our logic. We believe our strategy. We believe our experience. And therefore, we stop sharing the gospel. We say, well, you know, that person is really mad right now. I shouldn't be talking to him about the gospel. Well, it's the fifth time I've met him. Maybe maybe I should just wait a little longer. Well, this is not the right place to share the gospel. Well, you know, I've tried this before and it hasn't worked, so I'm not going to do it again. Well, I remember I did that again with other, per- other people and it didn't work. That's why we need to obey God before we obey ourselves. Because most of the time, we talk ourselves out of preaching the gospel. And I'm talking about me. I would probably say that the reason why I don't preach the gospel to people is because of what I believe. And I need to tell myself, truly, you need to obey God before you obey yourself. After that, we need to obey God before we obey others. Some people tell us, I don't want to hear your message. Some people say it is illegal to say or to, to talk about this. In, in, in con- certain countries, it is. And sometimes there's rules that people, other people put. 
I don't know if in your house, maybe in your family, people say what I've first, I heard for the first time in America. We don't talk about politics, religion, and what's the other one? Uh, when people get together, that's what I, I, somebody told me that that was like a saying. Huh? Oh, I don't know who, yeah. But people say we don't talk about religions or religion or politics at the table or something like that. And so we, we don't need to obey those things. Our job is to obey God rather than obeying people. Second Timothy 1.8 says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We need to obey God rather than men, us and others. Now, I want to clarify something. This doesn't mean that we have to be insensitive to people. This doesn't mean that we have to do it harshly or that we don't need to like look at the situation. If you are at a funeral and you're in front of the, of the family of the, of the deceased, maybe that's not the right time. Maybe you should wait a little longer. There, there are some opportunity for us or some, there's a space for us to be sensitive to what we're doing. And we need to trust that the Holy Spirit will guide us. And sometimes, just the fact that you do it doesn't mean that people will react in the way you thought they will. I've been developing a relationship with this non-believer, and I remember um, I, I was reading Acts already a few months ago, and I was, I was deciding that I was going to be more intentional about speaking or preaching the gospel to people, so I, I took this person out for lunch, and he's an unbeliever, and uh, I found a way to bring the conversation to religion, and I asked him about his faith, and he said what most people I find say nowadays, well, all religions are the same, they all lead to the same, uh, we just need to be good people and respect each other, blah, 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 right? And I was hoping that he would ask me back, what do you believe? But he never did. So I, I, well, I, just, I just took the step and I said, well, let me tell you what I believe. And I just told the whole creation, fall, rest, uh, redemption, and, and restoration thing. And I, I just went for the gospel. And I preached the gospel to that person from beginning to end. And I don't think he was listening too well. But I just preached the gospel to him. And guess what? Nothing happened. I invited him to church. He's not come. That's what happens. It's okay. But we need to obey God before we obey men. It's not our job to convince people. I want to encourage you to do it in love. I want to encourage you uh, to not be rude or unnecessarily confrontational. You can be kind and loving and still preach the, go the full gospel to people. In fact, there is nothing mo more loving than to preach in the gospel to people. But I want to make sure we hear this one more time. Every time we preach the gospel to somebody, we must take the gospel to repentance and faith. People need to repent and believe in order to accept the gospel. We cannot avoid the topic of sin, but we don't do it from this platform looking down on people because we're just like them. Even though we're believers, we're not better than anyone. We're not smarter than anyone. We're not more moral than anyone. We're sinners who happen to be saints by the grace of God, and we have been justified, and we are being sanctified as we walk through life. So we do it in love. So what do we do with all this information? 
I want to encourage us all again to be uncomfortable, to preach the gospel to, to people, to demonstrate the gospel to people, but mostly to speak it, to preach it, to use our words, to talk about Jesus, to talk about his death, to talk about his resurrection, to talk about forgiveness of sins, and to talk about eternal life. You have help. We have help. We have supernatural help. We need to pray to the Holy Spirit to help us. I want to make sure you understand this. The person that's talking, one of the, the people that's talking is Peter and the apostles as well. But this is the same man who denied Jesus three times before he was dead. After he was filled with the Spirit, he became a bold communicator of the gospel. Because it's not in our strength. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is my message today. If you're a believer, you have been given the exact same thing I'm talking about. Jesus, obey God rather than men. Jesus came and suffered. He brought the gospel to us. He loved us so much that he gave himself for us. He was not only rejected. He, he was not only arrested. He was not only mocked. He was not only beaten. He was crucified and killed for us. And now... Because he resurrected and has given us life, we can do the same for others. We can now, through the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, love others by being willing to suffer because we're sharing the faith with them. If you're not a believer, I want to make sure you understand that you are a sinner just like us. And you live under a cruel king called Satan and sin. But there's a warrior that came and defeated them on your behalf. You don't have to keep fighting. You don't have to free yourself. Jesus has done it in your place. All you have to do is believe and turn to him, repenting from your sin, and God will give you eternal life. It is by grace that you have been saved. It's not something we earn. It's something we are given. And if you accept and believe and repent this message is, uh, and becomes real to you, you will inherit eternal abundant life if you want to know more about it and you're not a believer i would love to talk about that with you and with this i want to ask everyone to stand up and we're going to pray